And good afternoon and welcome to Free to be Faithful. I'm moderator Kip Allen. Free to be Faithful is a religious liberty education and awareness program that was created by the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod in response to increasing governmental incursions into religious life. People of faith and our institutions have come under increasing attack in recent years from secular sources. Now this attack affects many of our nation's traditional institutions. One especially impacted institution is the military. For most of this country's history, religion was an integral part of the armed forces. After all, religious liberty is enshrined in the Bill of Rights, and all service members take an oath to support and uphold the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. The presence of a chaplaincy in the military dates back to the Continental Army, whose leaders recognized that soldiers needed both the comfort of faith and moral direction. That's now changed. With me today to discuss it is LCMS Director of Editorial Services and Media Relations, Roger Drennan. Roger's a 21-year Air Force veteran and a former military public affairs specialist who holds a master's degree in military operational art and science from the Air Force's Air Command and Staff College. Roger, welcome aboard. Thanks, Kip. Or maybe that's the wrong word for uh, for the Air Force. That's okay. We're all joint service now. <laughs> I thought perhaps as a conversation starter, we would talk about the article that was recently published that I wrote about a, a couple of cases involving uh, Lance Corporal Monifa Sterling, who was court-martialed uh, and uh, kicked out of the Marine Corps for having a Bible verse at her desk, and also Air Force Colonel Madrid, who was accused of some kind of anti-gay bias in the court-martial of an airman who was involved in firearms and drugs uh, on, on a Air Force base. So I wrote an article drawing attention to those cases, and someone anonymously commented to that article so I thought I would start with that anonymous person's comments. Go ahead. Uh, here's just an excerpt. The person writes, Like it or not, we now live in a multi-religious society which is reflected in our military. We are no longer all Protestants with only a small minority of Jews or Catholics intermingled and differently tolerated. The only rational response to this new diversity is to limit religious speech and writing in the military workplace and on the duty station to utterly non-controversial topics. Speech and writing which divides, uh, stridently advocates or criticizes practitioners of other persuasions should be seen as damaging to the morale and effectiveness of the services. The commenter goes on to say, we need to work to keep contentious religious comments to the privacy of one's sectarian chapels or living rooms and leave the military duty stations free of religious strife and argument. I'm uh, <laughs> floored. I'm floored that someone can actually say that and believe it. And it was kind of hyperbolic. It's not like people are running around, you know, proselytizing at work, but it, uh. it, it's that kind of eggshell environment that exists in the military today. But I'd also like to share to you my response to that yeah, person's comment. So I replied, as a retired Air Force veteran, having participated in several deployments around the world over the years... I can attest to the importance of faith while serving in the military, as a great percentage of our nation's troops still believe in God. Your comment that people should keep contentious religious comments to the privacy of one's sectarian chapels or living rooms and not be allowed to live out their faith freely in their vocations represents a disturbing mindset at the heart of the religious liberty debate in America today. It's absurd to deny the basic constitutional right of free exercise to those who have sworn to support and defend the U.S. Constitution and who risk their lives 
each day doing so. And as you know, the first thing you say in your oath of enlistment is, I solemnly swear to support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. That is the first thing we swear to when we enlist in the military. And it certainly strikes me that this is an attack against the Bill of Rights. I'm just... Yeah, I'm just, I'm just appalled. Anyone can even say that, can even think that. Uh, but we're seeing some really insidious things happening within the military that would have been unthinkable a generation ago. Uh, we talked about. I know there was a case of the uh, of the one uh, of one pastor. I believe it was Pastor Motter, who was a chaplain with, at the army, and he had been giving a private counseling session to a uh, a gay man, to a gay serviceman. And in the gay counseling, and in the counseling session, he said, "You know, homosexuality is a sin, which is preached by virtually every mainstream religion, Catholic and Protestant, Islam and Judaism." And Mater was uh, was disciplined for adhering to the tenets of his faith in a theological counseling session. Yes, one of the people who brought uh, accusations against Chaplain Mater, he wasn't an LCMS chaplain, but. What happens to all chaplains can happen to LCMS chaplains. One of the people who brought accusations against him was uh, a gay person who came in the military to be a chaplain assistant and who sought him out for counseling. So it was kind of strange that this person came in to that vocation, sought counseling, and then took that private counseling to a higher commander for uh, some type of punitive action. And the Navy at first was working to remove Chaplain Motter from promotion and remove him from the Navy. Uh, they later uh, walked that back and uh, due to some work of some people who advocate for religious rights in the military, and they allowed him to retire, mm-hmm. and uh, he was given uh, some awards at his retirement. And uh, But still, it was very much a, a, a sobering reminder of how what environment is now growing oh, yeah. and rooting into the military. And there was really a punitive aspect to the chaplain Motter at that time had served 19 years, and they were trying to separate him, which would have negated all of his benefits after having served all that time. So they, when they brought him back in, after they reversed it, he was able to finish out his 20 and then, and then resign. But, you know, who else, who knows who he could have helped had he chosen to stay on? That's right. So, uh, and then the cases of Lance Corporal Manifa Sterling mm-hmm. and Air Force Colonel Michael Madrid are only the most recent cases that I discussed in that recent article. But there are, over the years, have been lots of cases oh, of yeah. this and lots of other related items, too. Um, at one point, the Army was having an equal oppor- uh, opportunity training for troops. Uh, that was using data from the Southern Poverty Law Center that labeled Christians as hate hate groups. Yeah, let's talk about the SPLC a little bit here. They they have been very active in this, and uh, they have labeled groups, for example, like the uh, Alliance Defending Freedom, which is frequently on this station, uh, the uh, Family Research Council, and and other Christian related organizations, as being hate groups because they adhere to the biblical truth of sexuality. Yes, so at some point uh, a few years ago, I think it was around the 2011 time frame, the Defense Equal Opportunity Management Institute mm-hmm. published some type of regulation or directive that listed uh, all these potential hate organizations, and they used as their sole source for that directive Southern Poverty Law Center, <laughs> you know, a very political activist, uh, direct marketing type of group, and uh so I don't know why they accepted the data from that organization as legitimate. 
Uh, but these, there were soldiers who were going to the media and saying, look, they're telling me that if you're a Christian, you're some type of hater or terrorist, even in some of the briefings, they were labeled as potential terrorists. And so that was very, uh, the Army Public Affairs at, at first denied it until the actual training slides were leaked online later. And then it was, then they had to kind of walk back that statement as well. We also talked uh, before the program about the situation with the Air Force where uh, the regulations had been changed and apparently the old regulations were still being enforced. How did that work out? Well, uh, right around 2014 time frame, after a slew of complaints against the Air Force, which was being really harsh in the area of religious liberty because they were answering a lot and catering a lot to atheist activists and LGBT activists. And so after a few complaints uh, that this has gone too far, they started to walk that back, and they rewrote Air Force Pamphlet 1-1. Uh, and it was to be more accommodating. The previous version was all about the Establishment Clause, and you will not do anything religious on, under, you know, because of the Establishment Clause. They later rewrote it to say more about free exercise. We're going to be more accommodating. I mean, it, it had gotten to the point where, uh, you know, bases were being forbidden to have Christmas tree lighting ceremonies, the we used to have giant Christmas card competitions on base, and the mention of Christmas was disappearing from those cards. It was more of a happy holidays competition, mm -hmm. uh, and all these things were just this chilling of Christianity or expressions on base. Uh, when I was stationed at Keesler Air Force Base, a couple in on base housing had an Easter cross in their yard, and and an atheist complained, and the commander ordered it removed from the couple's base housing unit. So, anyways, the Air Force tried to be make a gesture of accommodation and, and rewrote AF 1-1. But when I queried Air Education and Training Command about the Colonel Madrid case, because they were the command to which he's assigned, uh, they sent me the old version, which said this had all this establish, establishment clause verbiage in it. And uh, so I had to send them the, <laughs> the current version of AF 1-1 that the Secretary of the Air Force was touting back in 2014 as this new era of religious freedom in the Air Force. Have you heard back from them since you pointed out their error? I have not, and I, I didn't follow up with any query. Um, so I just, you know, made that that You're public better affairs man officer <laughs> aware of the you know of the rewrite that was supposedly touted for religious yeah. freedom. You know, I remember. Uh, you know, I mentioned my dad was in uh, World War II, and he was Signal Corps, and he was in charge of what was known as the Mosquito Network, which was a chain of radio stations in Allied areas in the South Pacific. And one of the things that they used to do is to air religious services, both for the natives in the Solomon Islands as well as the troops. I wonder if this would be allowed nowadays, because this was under under uh, military, under under army uh, radio stations. Yeah, I would. You know, it's it certainly isn't an environment where you would feel encouraged to do the things that we once took for granted in the military. Mm. You know, even at one point they were. They were discussing eliminating flag folding at retirement ceremonies because the flag is folded in a triangle, which had a Christian Trinity reference to it uh, when you fold the flag into the triangle. Yeah. So uh, they were discussing. I mean, it was getting really bad as I was leaving active duty, and I was able to follow a little bit when I was a civilian employee as well for the Air Force. Um, and it, again, it comes from a lot of activism from atheist organizations and LGBT advocacy that DOD uh, rewrote uh, some regulations that says, uh, you know, transgenders can serve and can be given uh, gender transition surgeries on taxpayer dollar while serving in the military now. And so the LCMS uh, Ministry to the Armed Forces responded with a letter to DOD says, 
we want protections for chaplains and Christians in the military that they don't have to go to all this training on uh, transgender advocacy and gay advocacy and uh, all these things if, if it violates their conscience. Uh, you know, so there's certainly, you know, what we don't want is this environment to secularize military to corrupt the, and the faithful and make them feel ashamed to be a Christian. Well, didn't you say also that there was a, a, a training program at one point, in fact, it may even still be in effect, uh, about, quote, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, about tolerance to, to gays, to, you know, that uh, your teachings are wrong, that you have to tolerate. And didn't the military uh, have some kind of training program on that? There's been a lot of curious training, you know, in addition to the Army's EO training that I mentioned mm -hmm. earlier that used the SPLC data. Uh, when Don't Ask, Don't Tell was repealed, a lot of us had to go to uh, sort of a, I would call it a gay advocacy training, where, That's where they was, cautioned yeah. you against saying things in the workplace uh, against that lifestyle, and you could be punished for mm -hmm. this, that, and the other. And with the now with the new regulation advocating transgenderism, I'm, I'm sure there's probably another training in the works for that as well. What, if, if I might add, yes. while all this was going on, uh, sometime in the around 2006 to 2010 time frame, a lot of chaplains were going around giving a just war theory briefing, uh, which talks about Augustinian just war theory, why you know how you can be in the service and be a Christian. A uh, young officer attended that training. This young officer was a missileer, dealt with missiles at one of the miss missile bases, and went to uh, some activist organizations and said, yeah, I was just received training called Jesus Loves Nukes. And they're using Augustine as a, as a reason to say Jesus loves nukes. And, and so the, these activist organizations ran with that. And so there was an immediate knee-jerk reaction to remove Augustinian war, you know, just war theory from all training materials. Uh, first with the chaplain's training, but also now as I was leaving, I was hearing it was being removed from war studies. Uh, just uh, And so that was kind of the moral compass on how, when, and why we would go to war yeah. and the taking of human life when that might be warranted uh, as a moral compass. You know, what do you, how do you gauge that? And if we don't have that moral compass, what is the moral compass now? It's, it sounds, without a moral compass, we don't have an armed force. What we have is a mercenary force. Yeah, I'm not sure what would the, what would be the moral decision maker. You know, our chaplains are so valued by the troops, especially in these deployed locations where yeah. you're in dangerous environments. And so, as they're being removed from the equation, what what they, you know, they were also ethical advisors to commanders, or that's what they were supposed to do. They were sort of being muzzled in that regard. Uh, you know, as I was leaving the military, so what? What is advising commanders on ethical decisions regarding war? I mean, is it a nebulous secular morality? Because that changes, and that's that's sort of a dynamic thing that, you know, uh, flexes with the zeitgeist. You know, um, so I'm not sure now what what can be a firm uh, moral compass for the military, and that's very concerning. And when we lose the moral co compass, we have incidents like, for example, what happened in Milai, where American soldiers massacred uh, civilians. Nobody. In my view, now I, 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 let me be upfront. I was not in Vietnam. I've not served in the military, but I cannot imagine that anyone who has a moral compass would have gone along with that. Yes, and so you know, with the law of armed conflict, uh, which you know 
part of the law of armed conflict, the basis for that was, you know, Judeo-Christian values and the mm -hmm. just war theory. Uh, you know, it, it clearly said that not all orders are lawful, and, and you could actually be a war criminal by following orders in some cases. Um, so, you know, that puts uh, soldiers and other service members in a precarious position if, if there's no firm moral guidance, especially when it comes to applying the law of armed conflict. Indeed. And I, I remember um, I remember when Milai broke out, and uh, one of the things that truly appalled me about the case was there was only one soldier in Kelly's platoon that refused his order. Now, there was that helicopter that came in and actually stopped the, uh, stopped the massacre. So somebody had a moral compass there. But, you know, this brings down, I think, a, um, a very basic question. What is the role of the armed forces? We're seeing, now that it's being used for, for social engineering. That's not what it's supposed to do, is it? Well, it, it's become sort of a, a tool for that because you can order people to follow some type of political policy or, or whatever, or a social engineering goal, and, and military mem members will mostly comply because they're ordered to do so. And they can set up things like these equal opportunity trainings and things to kind of enforce that. And then once it's successful there, they can cite it as a success to others as how this works and whatnot. But what what we actually need to appreciate is the fact that we do have chaplains in this still, and they are working hard. And I can't give enough praise to all of our chaplains, our LCMS chaplains that are serving right now in this environment. And, this, and also to the Synod's uh, Ministry to the Armed Forces, guys like... Uh, Chaplain Craig Miller, you know, he's a retired Navy captain, which is like a colonel, yeah, you know, yeah, in, yeah. in the Air Force. Uh, and so guys like him are kind of like a Chuck Norris to me right now because they're in the middle of this and, and they're, uh, you know, d they're standing up for people, you know, and, and sending these letters to DOD to protect people's rights to, you know, remain free Christians and as they serve and to have chaplains, you know, be there and be a presence and give the word and sacrament and deployed locations, and, and as others are calling for a complete removal of the chaplaincy from the military. Well, let me let me ask a question to you as a 21-year veteran of the military. Do the chaplains increase the, the the combat effectiveness of the military? I, I from what I see, absolutely. And and unfortunately, what we're seeing we're seeing that proven from the negative because as cha chaplains are being muzzled and limited in their ability to minister. You're seeing uh, troops, you know, there's two veterans commit suicide per day was the mm. last statistic I saw. They're coming home with what many call post-traumatic distress syndrome. But what you can also, you might say, is just the moral injury that comes with participating in war. I mean, it doesn't matter whether you were the person who shot someone or, or whether you were the one shot. Just being in that causes a moral injury. It really... Uh, puts a lasting mark on you. And chaplains, they they give that pastoral care, mm. you know, that uh, to these people. And as they're being, you know, muzzled and withdrawn from this equation, we're seeing more people with these disorders and more suicides and, and you know, more cases where uh, troops are having a hard time cope, coping. And you have to figure, we've not been formally at war, but we've been in, a, in conflict, in armed conflict for several decades now mm -hmm. uh you know and so it's it's not been a fully declared war but i mean everybody's been deploying you know all over the place and especially the middle east 
And so at a time when, when it looks like chaplains are needed the most, they're kind of sort of being muzzled and withdrawn. Right. And, and there's an effort to either relegate them to being more of a camp counselor and a cheerleader of morale or to just get rid of them in the military uh, based on these champions of the so-called Establishment Clause. I've interviewed a lot of World War II vets, and with almost without exception, they said how they needed the the moral guidance. They were doing some horrible things. They were having horrible things happen to them, and they had to understand why they were doing what they were doing. Um, for example, you know, uh, bombers, bomber pilots. They were dropping bombs. It was killing civilians. They had no choice in that. But it would shorten the war. Or you'd run into soldiers who had actually liberated uh, concentration camps or Japanese camps in the Philippines. And the explanation of evil, that it exists, and that they were the instruments of God to help end this. And uh, the, the faith that they had sustained them to uh, one of the greatest efforts we ever did. I just recently saw the movie uh, Hacksaw Ridge uh, about the uh, conscientious objector who won the Medal of Honor for his actions during the Battle of Okinawa. This was a man who was inspired by his love of God, and he saved the lives of over 70 people. Yeah, I just, uh, you know, again, um, at, at this present time, what we can be thankful for is that we do have the LCMS chaplains present. Yeah. They continue to be present in all this, and, and they're making a difference uh, and and will for the time we can foresee for the time being. And at the same time, like I mentioned, the Ministry to the Armed Forces, who also partner, partners with organizations like the Chaplain Alliance for Religious Liberty, who yeah. have been huge uh, advocates and protectors of Christian military members, uh, you know, and as these things are going on, but it, it's, uh, I, I just want people to be more aware of what's going on because when you think of the military, you might not think all of these things that are going on, uh, but they, they're going on and, and folks need to be aware and we need to pray for our chaplains and pray for our service members, you know, as they deploy to all these dangerous locations and they witness these horrible things, um, you know, that they, they are ministered to and, 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 we keep them in our prayers. Well, Chaplain Motter, for example, who it's pointed out was not LCMS, but he was the chaplain to the Navy SEALs. <laughs> There's no more pointy, pointy end of a spear than the SEALs. Uh, chaplain uh, Mueller here has told me that the LCMS has the third largest presence of any denomination in the military chaplaincy. Uh, the Lutherans, in fact, one of the very first military chaplains in the military was a Lutheran who joined the, uh, the Revolutionary War. That's right. And uh, it's, it's, it's been continued ever since. And as you pointed out, I mean, this thing is under fire, but I think we're starting to see maybe a little bit of pushback. Yeah, and, you know, you'll hear the hyperbole that, that you know, Christians are going to run amok and, you know, be shouting around the workplace. They're not going to do that. That's just false hyperbole. Yeah, of course it was. Uh, but at the same time, you know, they don't need to be walking on eggshells in their workplaces or worried about posting a Bible verse at their desk or or just generally in small conversation talking about their faith. Uh, if, you know, there's this expectation by some in society that uh, certain demographics live in a bubble and be protected from any offensive comment. And, and it's kind of, a to me, a silly notion to have this 
well, protective more that bubble offensive philosophy. Combat, uh, comments. It's, it's almost like thought crime now. Yeah. It, it's not enough that uh, they don't approve or don't like. They actively hate and try to suppress certain traditional beliefs. And uh, you know we're seeing it in the uh, obviously in the in the civil society as well. But we like to think, at least I always like to think, that the military was above that. Until I met you, I thought it was, and then uh, mm-hmm. I didn't realize just how deeply uh, secularism and humanism had it had infiltrated the military, and how weird it is in a number of areas. For example, we talked about uh, uh, Ch- Captain or uh, Colonel Madrid. That's right. Colonel Madrid was actually acquitted. He was originally accused of of, uh, of this of this problem, and there was an investigation. He was completely cleared. Two years later, a commanding a new commanding officer says, "Well, I don't agree with this, so I'm going to con- I'm going to punish him anyway." Yeah, that that is really peculiar. First of all, this was an airman that was court-martialed for drug-related and firearms-related charges on base, and uh, on his way out, being kicked out, just you know took a stab at, at one of his, you know, officers and said, this guy made some anti-gay comments. And so the Air Force investigated and then uh, found him, found Colonel Madrid innocent uh, for any, you know, uh, inappropriate comments. But then a officer, a uh, new commander comes in two years later and revives us. That's just strange. But again, we need to pray. We need to pray and we need to be aware that this is actually happening. Roger, we're uh, coming into our final minute here. Do you have any uh, any closing thoughts? Just to reiterate, uh, keep keep all the service members and the veterans in your prayers. Uh, again, the current last statistic I saw is two suicides a day. Uh, they need Christ now more than ever, and just pray for them and, and pray for our chaplains. And also point out the uh, chaplaincy, especially the LCMS, is very heavily involved in what's called the Barnabas Project. That's right. There's a lot of resources in, for that available on uh, yeah. the LCMS website, and, and to get involved with that is a really good thing for service members. Yeah, for, for service members who come back and are having problems, there is a support organization, the Barnabas, uh, the Barnabas, uh, the Barnabas Project, and it's, uh, it's a valuable thing, and it does indeed help to get rid of these horrible problems when these people come back. There is help available, so just want to let them know that. You've been listening to uh, Free to Be Faithful, which is a presentation of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. It's a religious liberty education and awareness program. Free to Be Faithful airs the third Monday of every month, and today's was was with LCMS Director of Editorial Services and Media Relations, Roger Drennan, and also an Air Force veteran. I'm your moderator, Kip Allen, wishing you God's blessings. 